Welcome to the Maximus Podcast with your hosts, Bobby Maximus and Joe Sabula. Today, we have a very special guest, uh, a friend of mine from The Ultimate Fighter Season 30, the scourge of Nebraska, the bane of wrestlers, Zach Kaunga. Zach, how the hell are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, we're, uh, we're, we're glad to have you. So we'll get right down to business. You were episode one this year of season 30 of the ultimate fighter. Can you give us your thoughts on how the episode went down? Cause obviously you lived it, right? Like we were, in, I mean, we lived it. We were there. We watched the fights. We were backstage, did everything. What were your thoughts on it? You know, it was weird. It, it was weird to watch. And there was so many things that I thought was going to be in the episode that just didn't make it at all. Um, but at the end of the day, it was nice to watch myself on TV, get a victory. But yeah, I just thought, you know, I know the producers are trying to tell their own story, but there's a lot of things that I thought I, I was sure was going to make it in. Um, specifically me, like sitting down with Juliana, going and finding her, telling her, I want you to pick me, like put me on your team. And that just didn't make it in at all. Yeah, it's 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 a hard thing, I think, though, for the public to understand, because if you look at that episode as a week in time, mm-hmm. that's what, 5,800 minutes and 53 yeah. of those minutes made it on TV. Yeah. So really, like, Zach, when we were watching it, we saw 1% of everything that we went through. Yeah, and, and I mean, that's probably a good estimate. Literally 1% of everything that happened in the, those seven to 10 days or whatever leading up to the fight is, is all the people really got to see. Well, that, that was going to be the question I asked too, because I know like, you know, once you get in the house, it's like, you, there's a little bit of time that you kind of got to get settled in and they, they do the pick and you have so much time to prepare. I mean, it's a big difference if it's like, Oh, everybody's fight is going to be on day 30 of filming. And we're just going to make it look like there was one each week. Cause I know they, they actually shoot more than one fight in a day, but then like you said, when you watch the episode, everything has been compressed down and they have those little things that pop up that are like, you know, four days before the fight and three days before the fight. And it builds tension in an episode. But as a person who participated in that event, you might be like, no, that actually happened five days before the fight. But why did they put that on that day? You know, so things get out of order for you. I know it was important. I was uh, I was just watching your interview with uh, with Charlie and you had mentioned that you wanted to fight early. Can you talk about your motivation for that a little bit? Yeah. So this is another thing I thought I thought for sure would be on the uh, episode, but they Juliana sat us all down and asked who we wanted to fight and, and, and everything. And I told them I didn't care. I just want to fight first because the people that fought first got a longer recovery before the CMA final fight. And I was, I was planning on winning my fight. I wasn't planning on, on losing. And I wanted the most amount of recovery leading into that fight. And I thought I, I matched up well with anyone on the red team. So I wanted to take our pick. I wanted to have Juliana put me against whoever she thought I, I matched up best with. And you got nice. Niall, obviously. And I mean, listen, I can't speak unbiasedly because we were friends. We were on the same team. I think you handled that fight pretty easily. Like in no point did I think you were in danger. You won. Did your thoughts on the fight change after you watched it on TV? No. Um, I mean, I definitely, I knew I won. I knew I performed well and shut down everything he, he had seeing it from third person. Um, 
and then watching Katniss's fight last night, I don't think people realize how much, how difficult that first fight is, how many emotions are involved. You're there away from your family. You're in front of Dana White for the first time. We were stuck in that hotel quarantining, not really able to work out for seven days. Uh, I looked way more tired in that fight than I remember being. And it's, it's just, there's an emotional drain. And I think you'll see it in every single first fight on the show. The, the winners of those first fights are the people that can that handle that emotional stress the best. The best. And we call that, we call that an adrenaline dump. Mm-hmm. And I don't think, I don't think they played that enough on TV, like in terms of what we go through behind the scenes. Had you ever felt an adrenaline dump like that before in your no, life? Absolutely not. I've, I've actually been, I mean, maybe when I was a freshman playing on varsity my first time ever, but I've, I've been fortunate to, you know, I've ran down on kickoff in front of 90,000 people. I've, I've been in the limelight and this fighting career. One of my biggest strengths is it hasn't, I've been able to be like present and not let the lights get to me, but literally when I'm warming up in the back for that first fight with Nile, Dana White comes in, shakes my hand. And from that point on, my body feels like it's on fire. Like I, I can't hold my arms up. I'm just freaking out. And I had never dealt with anything like that before. Do you think the living conditions affected that at all? Because I mean, and I want to paint a picture for the audience. You and I were in a room with two other guys. The lights are on all fucking night. There's people yelling and screaming and giggling in the living room. Mm. Like we're doing interviews. Your, your pre-fight routine is all jacked up. Do you think that affected you at all in that regard? Absolutely. Absolutely. Peak performance is, is a fickle thing. One little thing can throw it off. And it's, there was a lot of things involved and, you know, it's, it's not like there's any excuses. We all had those issues. Everyone had to deal with the same thing, but it was new to me. And I wasn't expecting to feel the way I felt in that cage the first time. Yeah. Did that, did that change for you through the fight? Like after round one, did you, did you like lose that? No. So it round two and you guys can go back and watch. I'm about to fall over. I'm literally the adrenaline dump is so bad. I can't hold my hands up. I'm just doing head movement and, and trying to dodge. And all I'm doing is countering. I'm mm-hmm. waiting for now to strike and I'm countering back and waiting for his shot. And, you know, luckily I'm, I'm able to grit it out and, and tough through it and just do what I have to do. But that adrenaline dump didn't leave me until like two days later, to be honest. Yeah. Which is pretty, which is pretty incredible. And then you've got to figure out how to recover and then how to train again. And, and, and yeah. all that kind of stuff. now moving on, moving on to the second episode, because obviously you had your fight and you won. So there's going to be more from you in the future, obviously. Uh, how do you feel about the second episode with Caitlin and Helen? Um, I thought it was good. I thought it, they, they spent a little bit more time on the fighters, which I, which I like to see, mm-hmm. you know, obviously with the first episode, we had to get through the picks. We had to get through introducing the coaches. And I really liked the pace that the second fighter had, or the second episode had digging into the home lives of uh, Katniss and Helen and, and just really give painting a picture of who they were before they fought. Now, one thing that struck me, we obviously got close to certain people in the house, and I can't speak on that because I don't want to give anything away about TV. But I can speak about Caitlin and Helen. Uh, were you surprised to learn things about them 
because there was a lot that was on the show that I had no clue was going on in the background. Absolutely. And, you know, us being on, on Team Pena, I had no idea about her dad, even yeah. through all, all seven weeks. No, no clue. She held it together. Wow. Um, that that actually that surprises me because that was so forefront in the episode. And honestly, just from a uh, the human standpoint, how hard that is to to just comprehend and deal with. So hearing that actually that shocks me a little bit. Like that never came out. You didn't hear anything about that that whole time. That's insane. Yeah, never came out. And, huh. and like I said, the two teams, there was there's a little bit of rivalry between between the two teams. No one wanted to share any information. People didn't want to give mm-hmm. away stuff thinking it may be an advantage to the other team. So for whatever reason, they just never, no one from team Nunez elected to share that with us. And Caitlin never brought it up, you know, never cried in when I was around at least. And uh, I mean, it must've been hard for her. That, that is a, a situation I can't even imagine. So help, help me understand, help me understand just the layout of the house. Cause there, there are scenes where they have like, you know, all the people from one team are kind of sitting down and, and yeah. talking like, how, were, were they like separate wings to this house that you could get away without having to worry about spies or anything? So you really couldn't get away, but there was like two halves to the house. Okay. There was two kitchens in the house separated by a hallway. And then behind each of those kitchens was whatever, four rooms mm-hmm. that had two people in each. And then our one room at the very end had four people in it. Um, But we practice at different times. So a lot of times when you see shots that are just of the red team, it's because we're at practice. And so they're, they're at the house doing their thing. That makes sense. And I want to say Zach in the house though, when we talk about her not really being able to hide it's like we shared the kitchens, we shared the outside, we had a lot of interactions. Like I'm shocked she never had a breakdown in public. Like Same I don't here. know, a room, but like <laughs> even, even the rooms, they had no doors. Like it's not like yeah. we had any privacy. You had zero in that place. Yeah, like I said, I'm I'm baffled. She really held it together. Like she she obviously on they showed on the show had that breakdown at practice, yeah. and then in the. Uh, um confessionals and stuff and, and honestly i'm just not that nosy like sure well you're focused right like you yeah. you got you got your own thing to deal with sure right. i get that and I, I mean bobby can can attest to this i just did my own thing i didn't really care about anyone else in the house um if she started acting different or was off alone it's not like i would have hmm. you know went and sought her out to try and find out what was wrong I just so, I just stuck to myself and did my own thing. Th- this brings up something that Bobby and I had chatted about quite a bit, especially when he got out of the house, was what a, a psychological experiment it is to undergo. Like, it's a lot more grueling than people realize. I mean, there's the obvious separation from society, but just being under constant watch and constantly in a place with people you're competing against. What was it like when you left the house? How did you reacclimate to the real world? so it, or, or, that's or like, have you <laughs> I, ha, I i've done a pretty good job but it took some time it took some time for me to just get used to being a normal person again and uh but it, the, the house wasn't hard for me I, it it was hard for some people i could tell it cracked some people mm. but i went in with a plan like i went in with a goal my only goal was to win win i didn't care about making friends i luckily mean bobby you know, hit it off and, and became good friends. But my goal was to go in there and 
beat up everyone in that house if I needed to. And I had to uh, kind of switch gears when I got out of the house. Like after two days, after the excitement of me being home kind of uh, faded away, my wife's like, hey, man, you're kind of being an asshole all the time. <laughs> like, I'm not competing with you. No one at home is competing. You're competing with you. And I had to like check in with myself. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, like, this is my support system. This is my family. These people love me and want me to, to yeah. do the best. And I got to chill out a little bit. Yeah. I got to interject here. He, she says you're being an asshole all the time. How is this different from like the real you? Like, <laughs> like a, like a the life of Zach to me. So that's what I say. You, you got to experience the real unfiltered me. My, my <laughs> wife takes care of me. So I have to, I have to, she's the only one that I, I have to sugarcoat and, and right. put on a little bit of a, a show for. Well, what, was, was there anything about, coming back out of the house that you weren't prepared for. I know Bobby told a, a good story in our last episode about having a drink at the, the bar and seeing like all this stuff in the world had changed. You know, we were practically in the verge of world war three COVID no longer existed. Was, was there any of that to you? Was there any moment of just like, wow, things are different now. So it was crazy to me. Um, the day that we got out is the day the Broncos signed Russell Wilson and, and Ukraine had been happening for like weeks before this. Mm -hmm. And I'm getting out and I'm learning about Ukraine. I'm talking, I'm trying to like look stuff up, trying to figure out. And all anyone wants to talk to me at home about is Russell Wilson. <laughs> and I'm like, guys, I don't care about Russell Wilson. Are we at war right now? Like, are, are we going to get bombed? What's happening? Yeah. Like, cool. Russell Wilson, whatever. What's, <laughs> what is going on with Ukraine? And um, yeah, that was just weird. How much changed in, in six weeks? The, the world literally yeah. changed in six weeks. It was like, it was an interesting six weeks to be out of touch for sure. Uh, how hard has it been just knowing what you know from having been through the house and been through the season and kind of where things have, have ended up? Like, I, I assume you're just like chomping at the bit to share the story and to tell everybody like what went on in there. How hard is it to have to sit back and wait for the next episode? The, the funny thing for me is watching some of the other people on the show and how they're reacting and what they're sharing what they're trying to sell and highlight because i and i it's i have to hold myself back i have to put my phone away from commenting on their pages be like hey man you know i know what happened right? like, you really want all these people to tune in and, and watch like i know what happened um and, and i but can for me it's, it's been great you know i'm i'm happy and confident with the with the performances i put on and it's just been great and I, i'm I'm excited for people to see it. And I know like, this isn't the end of my 15 minutes of fame. I feel like some guys realize that this is all they've got and they're trying to maximize it. And, and Joe, I can attest to this because every couple of days he sends me a barrage of DM. <laughs> and frankly, I'm actually worried my friendship with this guy is going to get me canceled. <laughs> come out on TV. But yeah, I'm really I trying to get, I'm trying to get Bobby to comment on their stuff because they expect it from me. I'm trying to get Bobby to come to the dark side. Now, one, uh, I had an experience yesterday, Zach, that I told you about. I was super embarrassed. Uh, I was watching the fight at home with my wife. I wear my ultimate fighter Jersey because my kids love it. They get right into it. She asked me to go to the grocery store and get her something. So I accidentally went out in my ultimate fighter Jersey Sure enough, four dudes stopped me. Do you fight in the ultimate fighting chair? Holy fuck. I'm just like, yeah. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> question, question I have about this, because I'm trying to lay low a little bit. 
Has your life changed? Like, are people recognizing you? Are people treating you different? Has that started to happen yet? A little, yeah. I mean, I could, I can't say that it hasn't. Like, people are recognizing me on TV. I'm getting DMs from dudes I went to elementary school with telling me about how they're so glad we're friends and I haven't spoken to them in 20 years, you know, like telling me come by and, uh, you know, roll at some high school or some elementary school wrestling club, like a bunch of weird stuff like that, but it is, it's, it's good as well. You know, I was fortunate enough just last week to go down and train at, at B team jujitsu and, you know, learn from Nikki rod and Craig Jones and those guys. And, you know, maybe that doesn't happen if I'm not on the show and I have a little bit of a pull, but it there's good and bad with everything. This is what I want. This is why I went on the show was to gain a little clout, get a little juice and, you know, start this career. What are your, uh, what are your top three goals from this thing? Like, obviously without giving anything away, mm-hmm. what do you want to see from the show? I mean, obviously I'll answer number one for you. You obviously want to be a world heavyweight champion in the UFC. That's, I mean, you've, you've made that clear. What else do we got? Yeah. So my, my goal now is to just be remain in, in, in this realm, in this realm of, of TV and social media. I'm trying to, the fighting's going to happen either way. I didn't need to go on this show to get into the UFC. You know, I was five and zero when I went in on the show and I, w- I would have gotten the UFC without, without the show. My goal is to use this show to, to boost my platform, boost my brand and create a life for myself after fighting. Um, you know, whether it's with uh, being an analyst, having a podcast, being on TV in uh, movies and things like that, or all of the above. That's my main goal. And just really generate like, you know, we all want to be Connor. We all want to make a hundred million dollars fighting, but there's only one Connor. So my real goal is to generate wealth that I can pass down to my kids, wealth that I can take care of my kids' kids from now. And it takes taking risks like this, going on this show, being myself, putting myself out there a little bit. What, what's your biggest takeaway from this? So, you, you know, you're going into this, you have this vision in your mind of like all the different ways that it can play out. What did you take away from this experience that you think is going to change your approach to achieving that goal moving forward? So just that, that you have to take risks. You have to take risks. I've been playing it safe for a long time. I, I was a, they stood on the show, I was a cop, you know, mm-hmm. and I was trying to do both things. I was trying to be a fighter and maintain a regular nine to five steady job. And even as a light heavyweight coming up to a heavyweight show, there was a whole lot of reasons I shouldn't have gone on the show. Like I said, I was going to get in the UFC anyway. I'm a light heavyweight. I, uh, you know, still could, was making money at the time, even though I wasn't a cop anymore, I still had a side gigs that were making me money that I had to shut off completely to go into the house. All of, all of those were great reasons to not do this show, but taking the risk, taking the chance to go on this show and prove myself and put my name out there has led to, to so many more doors opening that would have never happened if I just tried to go, you know, contender series and get in the UFC that way, or just go on through the regional scene. Has it, has it been, uh, so what I'm looking for freeing, knowing that if you put yourself out there, you can find success. Was that something that held you back in the past? Absolutely. It has been when I put my two weeks in at the DA's office, there was so much 
anxiety and stress about leaving my job and, and everything along those lines. But then the day after the day after I quit, the day after I was done, done, it was exactly what you said. It was freeing. It was all, all that's left is for me to go out and work as hard as I can. There's, there's nothing, nothing else to worry about. It's done. What, what am I going to do? Like, <laughs> that's, I can't that's actually, this is a conversation Bobby and I had recently. Sometimes you just have to burn the ships. You have exactly. to put yourself in a position where it's like, you will either be successful or you're done. And all of a sudden you realize like, oh man, I can work 20 times harder than I realized because now I'm focused because I got all yeah. that other stuff out of the way. Now, this is the most important question I've been waiting to ask you since, since uh, Bobby told me we were going to get you on today. I need anything. Now you, you might have to take your time to answer this question because I know you guys are under like a ironclad NDA, but what dirt can you give me about Bobby Maximus? Well, we got you here. <laughs> I can tell you, I can tell you the truth. I can tell you, that, I can tell you that Bobby is, he is on the dark side. He is on the dark side. He just will never admit it. He'll never let it become public. He'll never admit it, but he's, he's just as bad as I am when it comes to, um, he wants to be Mr. Nice guy all the time, but he's not. <laughs> and uh Zach, you're not allowed to speak on this further due to the nda <laughs> the difference between me and zach we're actually very similar uh we're both cops uh we both um love magic the gathering joe also has a friday night game night just so you know zach oh, nice into the he is into the nerd stuff uh zach has a deep unfiltered unabashed love of disney okay uh, <laughs> To the point where his kids are named Django and Moana. <laughs> and I mean, the, the real thing with Zach is Zach is forward with his assholery. I am. Uh, what, what kind of animal would I be if I was an animal, Zach? You know, the answer to this. Oh, yeah. Oh, that I that I hope that's going to Bobby is the snake. Bobby <laughs> is the king snake. And that that better come up on the show. <laughs> that's just some foreshadowing i can't spoil it now but you know how it goes so zach uh you've been doing well since you've been getting out of the house i've been watching you and stuff like that uh we saw you did an interview with charlie on uh, mm-hmm. espn what's it like to be on espn was that a big moment for you so it was good it, it was a big moment for me but it was unfortunately the worst interview i've ever given in my life um <laughs> When they just when they just text me, the UFC text me, hey, can you talk to Charlie Arnold? And I was like, sure. In my head, I was thinking it was, you know, like Skip Bayless, some old fat dude, something like that. We get on Zoom just like we are now. And Charlie pops up in, in full, you know, makeup, full done up. And I'm like, like hey, what's I, up? Hey, what's up? Like, and I'm just so it was a great experience. It was amazing to be on ESPN. You know, that's, that's what I've, I've been trying to do since I was a little kid, but unfortunately I did not put my best foot forward in that interview. <laughs> Again, I'm sure you get many other chances to redeem yourself. Now, one thing I've wondered about, because it came up a lot in the house, people keep pushing the NFL angle. And obviously that ties in with ESPN. Are you kind of sick of that already? Or is it something that you're proud of and like happy to be associated with? Uh, so it, it, it's my background. It is who I am. And, and it's a lot of my uh, success comes from my, like the strength and conditioning, the work, the experience I have on that. 
for me personally, though, I, I do not like when people bring it up to me. That's the biggest failure of my life. Mm. You know, everyone tells me, oh, at least you got there or man, it's what a cool experience I've had. You know what? I, I went on a team and I got cut. I got told I wasn't good enough because I, I couldn't play special teams. That's not something I'm proud of. That's not something that uh, I like to talk about, but but I'm aware that it is uh a buzzword, uh, you know, people hear NFL and, and they think certain things. So I, I know it's just going to be with me for the rest of my career, but it is something I'm not proud of. You did tell me a story in the house. So about how the NFL transformed you like that cutting experience changed you as a human being, because when I met you, I met the Zach that was a hard ass worker that was willing to grind through practice, mm-hmm. that was willing to bleed, that was willing to go the extra mile. But you were telling me that that was not the Zach that was in the NFL. Yeah. You know, I was the guy that you probably all knew. You probably all knew I was the best athlete I'd ever met for my entire life without working hard. You know, I was, I started as a, as a freshman on varsity. I played all four years, let it all four years, two times all state in high school or two ways all state junior and senior year. And I didn't work that hard. And I was, I was lazy and I was just had natural athletic ability to get me through. And then the same thing happened in college. I I went to college and I was like, I'm better than all these guys. I don't need to work that hard. And you know what, eventually you find guys that are better than you. And they say it's that age old quote, you know, um, hard work beats talent when talent's not working hard. I was still talented. I was still good when I was in the NFL, but everyone was talented and some guys were busting their ass and putting in the hard work. And I, I was, I would skip practices. I was getting paid more than I will probably ever make as a fighter playing for the Texans. And I would skip practices like ridiculous. Hmm. And I got cut and that that's just how it goes. And, you know, I would like to say that I immediately fixed that problem. But then when I went and played uh, rugby, is the same story. It was the same story and rugby didn't work out either. So when this fighting thing finally came up and I, I had a chance to make a run at it, I just had to be honest with myself. I had to be honest with myself that I should be playing in the NFL. I should be playing professional rugby, but the reasons I'm not are because of me. And once you accept that, there's like, there's a power to that. Once you accept that you are your own problem, that you're in your way, you can do something about it. Yeah. And there's, there's something about being in an individual sport versus a team sport too here, right? If you're decent enough, you can be on a good football team and just kind of skate by because you're getting enough support from everybody else. There's no, no real uh, uh, stimulus to dig that deep. You know what I mean? Like you were already at a really high level. Like why, why mess with a system that got me here? But when you step into a cage, when you're fighting another guy, like if you fail, that's a hundred percent on you. You can't hide behind anything else other than, I guess I just didn't work hard enough. And so I, I feel, I feel like the fighting thing was just like we were talking about of you being comfortable putting yourself out there and taking that chance, like getting into that ring, it, it is a different experience. It was the same for me. I was a team sport guy growing up and I ended up becoming a, a Olympic style Taekwondo fighter in college. And for me, that switch to being completely responsible for my own success or failure is when I started training for real. 
Yeah, absolutely. You you can hide on. It's a little bit harder on the rugby field, but especially on the on the football field, you can hide. Mm-hmm. You can only do what you're good at. If if you're fast, you can just be a kick returner and yeah. do only that. There's no hiding in the cage. Whatever yeah. you're bad at is going to come out. There's guys that try to hide in the cage. Yeah. And there's nowhere to go. It's like just around. <laughs> exactly. So Zach, I want to wrap up with two last questions because I know you got to go. What do you have against Nebraska? That's the first thing. Because I've seen you post stuff on your stories. And then two, what, why do you hate wrestlers so much? What is it about wrestlers that you dislike? Uh, well, to answer your first question, anything east of Colorado is really just the same big blob. It's not just Nebraska. <laughs> I couldn't even name. I couldn't even name the other. You know, Kansas, whatever else is is over there. Anything, and I'll even say anything. Even eastern Colorado is just all flat <laughs> land, like cornfields. I'm sure it's got a use for something, but I don't know what it is. Um, it okay. <laughs> and wrestlers, I feel like wrestlers, they get too much credit in MMA. They get too much credit. Everyone's scared of wrestlers. Everything, everyone thinks wrestling is the this ultimate martial art. The only thing that wrestlers do is that they they know how to work hard. And there's a wrestling program you can go from the age that you're four years old until you're 24 years old. That's what makes wrestling that makes wrestlers have so much success in MMA. It's not because wrestling is this magic art form that beats all the other art forms mm. it's because these guys have been doing individual sports for t- 25 years by the time they get in the cage and, and they can almost do the same thing yeah and so i just get i just dislike when everyone you know gets on these wrestlers about how oh it's so amazing just like just like now he's a good dude but everyone's all oh, you know wrestled at ohio state nebraska all this stuff and it's like man i played in the nfl i played division one college football that's what people want to do. People get stuck having to wrestle. People want to play football. <laughs> so you uh, just, you just, you just, you just ruined Niles' entire fan base. <laughs> Joe, Joe, I will attest to this because I, I think one of the first conversations Zach and I had in practice is I think I kind of like, what's with you and this fucking anti wrestling? Like you're, a- <laughs> yeah. Bobby's <laughs> complaining about stalling or whatever when I'm fucking kneeing him in the face. <laughs> then, listen, you just wouldn't wrestle with me for my feet. <laughs> and then, and then I'm sitting there in practice trying to be this guy's training partner, Joe, getting punched and need. And then all he's telling me is how my whole life's work of wrestling just sucks ass. Man, I got more respect for you by the minute here. So. <laughs> Listen, yeah, wrestlers, I mean, they have success. As a general group, they have success. It's probably a good thing for, for kids to be in wrestling, but it's not the be-all, end-all. I like it. The real Zach comes out. Zach, we've had a pleasure having you on the show. Uh, love seeing all your success. Like I said in the house, you were you were one of my best friends. You're a good human being. You got a beautiful family. Uh, you're an honor roll guy. So I love watching uh, watching you fly. And I love. I'm I'm waiting to see what's going to happen here. I mean, obviously I know, but I'm waiting to see kind of what's going to happen for you. So I'm excited. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me on. You know. We talk almost every day, so you're, you're going to keep hearing from me. Yeah, yeah, and Joe, we're going to have him to a game night. And I will tell you this. I'll say this publicly. Zach may be able to beat me in a fight. But <laughs> in Magic the Gathering, 
game any format. I will smoke you in any format. Any format. We're we're trying to face off on a show called Game Nights. That's going to be our claim to fame. It's going to be a UFC battle on Game Nights. Bobby thinks because he spends a lot of money on cars that he makes it That's what I was going to say, though, Zach. The deck is kind of literally stacked against you because he is obsessive about it. We'll see. All right, Zach. (laughs) Awesome. See you guys. Thank you. Because you're the last of a dying breed.